And our text this morning comes from the Psalter, Psalm number 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law they meditate day and night. They're like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of God for the people of God. So the most well-known story about John Wesley, who's the founder of Methodism, was this conversion experience he had in May 24, 1738, where he writes in his journal that his heart was strangely warmed. But in his journal, he also notes that hours before that prayer meeting where he had that experience, he was in a great church. And he heard the choir sing from Psalm 130. And here were the words he wrote that he remembered hearing them sing. Out of the deep have I called unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. One of the Bible scholars I read this week was commenting on what Wesley wrote and how he used the psalm so much in his journal and how they nurtured his faith life and how they led him to this experience of God's converting grace where he said I feel now I've been completely converted and I do indeed trust in Christ the Bible scholar who was writing about it writes this later a psalm confirmed his experience of God's grace tempted to doubt his salvation Wesley wrote in his journal I lifted up my eyes Psalm 121 and he sent me help from his holy place Psalm 20 The scholar comments, having guided Wesley through the night. The Psalms nurtured his faith the next day as he wrote once again in his journal, I could taste the good word of God in the anthem which began, My song shall be always of the loving kindness of the Lord. Psalm 89.1 Wesley referred to the Psalms as a rich treasury of devotion. Have you ever thought of them that way as a rich treasury of devotion, of something that could nourish your own soul and spirit and lead you in your life of faith? I'm afraid too many of us who are Christians overlook the wisdom of these ancient texts. We use them in worship, but do we ever meditate upon them as this text calls for? I'm going to give us a sampling of these ancient psalms these next few weeks. I believe there's much here for us. I believe they can inspire us. I hope you'll be a part of that every week. The Psalter is the hymn book of Judaism. 150 psalms divided into five books, perhaps mirroring the five books of the Torah out of which we have been reading these last few months. Remember, Torah has to do with the law or the teaching or the instruction of God. The Psalms are the same, only in verse and song. I think you can hear it in those very first two verses of the Psalter that we read today. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord and on His law. 
They meditate day and night. We have this distilled wisdom from generations of faithful people brought forward to us in the psalm. And yet somehow we fail to grasp what kind of resource it is, how it might help us. We fail to fully embrace it. Think about it for a moment. God creates the universe, creates the world, creates you and me. God knows best this world and how it works and how our lives work. God offers us help and guidance and direction and wisdom in so many ways, and yet we fail to fully embrace it. God gives us the scriptures, the tradition of the church, our own personal experience, resources of people around us, prayer and worship. I wonder, do we realize everything that God has given us? Are we utilizing these resources to grow our faith and our connection to God? I think maybe they're kind of like diet and exercise in most of our lives. We know what to do. We know to eat a varied diet of healthy foods in moderation. But how many of us do that? We know we're to exercise probably every day's best, but three times a week, four, five, that would all be good. But study after study shows, not in America, most Americans are not exercising regularly. As one wise fellow said, what is easy to do is easy not to do right here we have this book of psalms worked on over the ages all kinds of different psalms of lament of comfort of grief sometimes complaining to god sometimes praising and thanking god and yet so often we spend very little time reading through those but it says right here right out of the gate that's not the way we should go it's the way the wicked go the lazy the uninformed but for those of us who are faithful we should be delighting in the lord and in god's word every day what is the role of your faith in your everyday life do you make time to look at god's word to read to study to meditate to pray with scripture whether it's the psalms or in other places do you have any kind of systematic way that helps you do that do you draw on other people around you maybe to meet and talk or discuss or read those together so many ways we could use the psalms and yet so few of us do so I think we see it in the difference of the ways people live. I have seen it in the difference of how people conduct themselves, whether doctors or lawyers or teachers or business people. There are people of faith who are always looking, whatever their particular area of expertise is, for ways to help others and serve others and go that extra mile. But you, like me, probably know the other kind of people in those same professions who are only looking out for themselves. They basically go through life saying, I'm going to get what I can. If others get hurt or get left behind or get passed over, I guess that's their problem. There's a difference, this psalm says, between people of faith and how they conduct themselves and people who decide that faith is not important. After those first two verses saying, delight in the law of the Lord and meditate it on it day and night. Verse 3 moves to an agrarian image 
It says these people who are the wise ones are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither and all that they do, they prosper. It's a view of a healthy and a productive life shaped by Scripture, shaped by God through God's Word. Do you know the name Virginia Ramey Mollencott? She died recently. She was an English professor, but she also wrote a number of books on faith and theology. She grew up in a conservative household. She says in her household, to read anything besides King James was a daring act. She said although her family was always at church, and she learned the basics of Scripture there, it was clear that as a woman... She was never going to be one who spoke or prayed in public. In fact, should not even ask questions. But as she was working on her doctorate in literature, she said in the library she discovered this huge wall of books of people studying the Bible the same way she was studying great literature. And she said it changed her life and deepened, even though she'd grown up steeped in Scripture, deepened her roots in the Bible. She says the ironic thing is the thing my family, who were fundamentalists, introduced me to was the same thing that radicalized me and put me in a place where they no longer would accept me. She also, as an adult, in 1978, wrote a book that stirred controversy. The title was, Is the Homosexual My Neighbor? Later, she came out as a lesbian, continued to teach and write, but was a person in some sense of controversy the rest of her life. I read one of her books in seminary called Silence, Speech, Action. I want to read you a few lines of that book where she talks about the value of Scripture in her own life. She says, I continue to feed my spirit with great words from the past and present, the Bible, Christian and non-Christian mystics, classical literature, contemporary literature. So the word remains very central as a stimulant and preparer, the get-ready stage of my life experiences. Then when I begin to pray, for the first few minutes, speech continues in the foreground. Aloud or silently, I speak and feel my concerns for others and for myself. But even more important to me are the moments when the words recede. And in the silence, I contemplate the one being the fountainhead of my being and every being, the light invisible to every eye except the inner one. Sometimes during those moments, realizations come to me about people I should contact, attitudes I should work to change, growth I need to make, things I need to do. Sometimes on the back of my eyelids, I see energy pulsing toward me. But mostly, the peace, the love, the silence. This is the most delicate, difficult to protect, and valuable time of every day. I think you can tell that she is a person whose faith was fueled by Scripture. It's the same for John Wesley and all the saints who have come before us. They remind us to go to God's Word. 
We remember them on All Saints Sunday. I pray, may these saints, these everyday Christians who come before us be our role models, our mentors, our exemplars, inspiring us. May you go on this week to be inspired by the Psalms.